stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo again to talk about how many stocks you should own in your portfolio. This seems like kind of a basic question, but I've been getting some questions about it now. And it is something that's kind of interesting that we should dive into because over the years, I've seen a lot of people's portfolios, you know, people send them to me and ask questions about what I think about them. And some of the portfolios I've seen will have, you know, 30, 40, even 50 stocks, sometimes even more than 50 stocks. And that seems pretty big to keep track of. So in my value investor portfolio here at Saks, it has a mandate of between 20 and 25 stocks. And uh, right now we're at 23 in that portfolio. So it's right in the mandate. But I have been as high as about 30 stocks in that portfolio when I wanted to add some new names, but I didn't want to sell anything. So it got a little bit little bit bigger than anticipated. And even here at 23, once I once I start to get around 25 stocks in there, it starts to be a lot. It's a lot to manage. It's a lot to keep track of every name. There's a lot of conference calls that you have to listen to. There's a lot of earnings reports you got to watch for. And then you begin to ask, can I really do this well with this many companies? because you do have to pay attention, obviously, to what's going on with the businesses. And that gets harder to do once there's you know several dozen businesses. So that portfolio, the value investor, is very diverse with the 23 names. That's one of the pluses to it right now. So it has some energy and oil companies in there, banks, general financials, agriculture, the semiconductors, internet stocks, software stocks, pharma, cannabis, alternative energy, and real estate. So that's some of the exposure that's in there. So that's all good. That that sounds very diverse. So if one area is hot, we have some exposure to it. If another area is cold, it's not going to hurt us that bad because we have the flip side of the more hot areas. But some studies have shown that to get diversity, you should have between 10 and 20 stocks in your portfolio. So I think some people are always surprised at that, that you can get a level of diversity with even just 10 stocks. Um, A week ago, someone tweeted out an interesting clip that I hadn't seen before of Warren Buffett speaking in 1998 at some kind of conference. I don't know what the conference was, and it doesn't say in the tweet, but uh, that was a while ago now, over 20 years ago, and Buffett would have been in his late 60s, if you see that clip, it's kind of interesting. And he talks about how many stocks you should own or what you should own in that clip, and it's only two minutes long, like I said. And he said, if you're just trying to uh, basically just be a stock investor and follow the S&P 500 or one of the big market indexes, then there's nothing wrong with buying an index fund or today it would just be an ETF, something like the Vanguard S&P 500, which is ticker VOO. I've talked about that in the past, 
or the Invesco um, NASDAQ 100 ETF, which is QQQ, or if you don't want to pay $330 a share for that one, you can buy the QQQ Mini, which is QQQM, Amazon Mary, and that one is only $135 a share, but it, it contains the same companies. So um, you can buy one of those, and that will give you a diverse basket of stocks. Uh, that's easy. You don't have to do any due diligence on all those companies in there. If you buy the QQQ, you're buying 100 different stocks. So that, again, is where the diversity comes in. If you buy the S&P 500, VOO, you're getting 500 stocks. So again, that is easy. But he also went on to say that if you're trying to beat the market, then you should be more concentrated and that the way to beat the market isn't to be in, you know, 50 different stocks, apparently. The way to do it is to go all in on, and this is what he said, up to just six companies, six stocks. And he says you can do the six and you can do it without as much risk as long as you do the due diligence that you've done the research you believe these companies are the best in what they do and are great investments and in his mind why wouldn't you make a, a bet on your best ideas you don't want to take the second best you want to only go with your best and how many ideas can really be the best are you really going to have 50 best ideas most likely no so that's why he narrows it down. He doesn't say why six instead of five, but it's apparently six. And um, so that makes some sense, right? You're trusting your instincts, your research, you're making a bet on the actual company and you're going to buy and hold for a, a long time, presumably, if you're following along with Buffett. And we've all had, you know, these kind of instances where we bought into a company and um, we, we are super excited about it. We think it has this great strategy or game plan. It's got the growth and we just really wanna be in it. And those are the types of companies he's talking about. Um, it also might be the type of company where uh, you bought a little bit in, into that company and then you never really added anything more to the shares. And then a couple of years later, the company's still doing great and still like, you know, out there crushing it. And you kind of regret that you didn't add more to it over the course of that period. And so that's kind of a sign that maybe you had one of those, you know, best idea type companies already in your portfolio because you lament that you didn't buy more. So six stocks, though, means there's really no room for error there. And most of us don't really have the patience to only be in six because at least one of the six is gonna go nowhere for six months or a year, maybe two years, we don't know. I mean, even look at the FANG stocks right here in April of 2021. They basically have been going nowhere or even down for the last six months. So though we're finally getting a breakout in a few of them like Alphabet and Facebook, but Amazon for many months was just kind of sitting there, treading water, going nowhere, while the rest of the market was on the rise. So even just in a six month time period, if you owned Amazon, you had to be patient and stick it out. But maybe if you had a little bit more than the six, if you did have the 10 to 20 stocks, 
that allows you a little more diversity in both sector and market cap. And then you're not as apt to get as antsy or lose your patience if one of them is treading water like that or is going down as well. So how do you find these best idea companies? Sometimes it is really just by what you know. So many of us have bought the fangs over the years. And remember that's Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and then the G was Google, but is now Alphabet. <laughs> so um, the fangs with the double A, Many of us have bought these over the years because it's what we use. I mean, I know many people who bought Apple shares when the iPhone launched. That was in 2007 because they loved it and uh, they believed in Steve Jobs and what he was doing there. And now over the last 10 years, they believe in what um, the new CEO, although he's not so new anymore, um, Cook is doing there. He's been there for 10 years now. So Fangs, that's kind of easy, right? And if you think about it, um, in 2012, Facebook went IPO. And I remember many people telling me they were buying shares for their kids' college fund. So it's been nine years now since that IPO. Did you hold onto it? Is Has it funded your, your kids' college? So it's up 708% from the IPO. Whereas the S&P 500, which has also done quite well, is up 210%. But obviously Facebook, ticker FB, up a lot more since that IPO and is now hitting new highs, actually. So $10,000 invested in that IPO, if you had that much to put in for your kid's college fund, is now $70,000. That's not too bad. That would pay for some college. It might only... <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it might only pay for a year at certain places, but it pays for a lot more at other places. So that's not too shabby. And um, so, you know, some of these, it is just kind of buying what your favorite company is because you know that they're doing really well right now because you're using the products and you follow what they're, what they're saying every quarter. And so that will work for you. But also, also always remember with some of these, um, the buy what you know, make sure that you are doing the research and you're looking at the outlook for the future, what the growth is like, because sometimes we have a tendency to overlook um, any kind of troubles or issues with the company and the products that we really like. But I know many of you continue to make the bet on Apple, even those who bought well after 2007 of course, that ticker is AAPL. Another one that often gets overlooked, it's one of my favorites right now of the big cap technology type companies is Sony. Now, I'm not sure what the ticker is on Sony. They are changing the ticker. It's either S-O-N-Y now. Actually, I do think they have changed it finally. It's S-O-N-Y. So that's easy. Sony is now Sony is the ticker. Um, Apple pulled back a bit here could be a uh, time to accumulate maybe some more shares on the sell-off it's trading at 27 times it was trading about 31 times before the sell-off so it's got a little bit cheaper does pay a dividend but it's only yielding 0.65 percent right now uh, sony is trading around 18 times so significantly cheaper but it is a little bit lower dividend at 0.4 percent sony is quietly up 327% over the last five years. 
And if you compare it with Apple, Apple is still winning in that time period, but not by much. It's up 366%. So Sony at 327, Apple at 366 for these big technology entertainment type companies. So some of these examples I'm giving you on how to find, you know, great stock ideas and these great, you know, your best idea for stocks. These are all large cap companies. And that's kind of easy because they're always in the news. We are all using their products. So that makes it easy. But you maybe don't want a whole portfolio of just the large caps, right? So what about the mid caps or the smalls? For those you can't really run a screen to find like your best idea, right? So I didn't run any screens for this podcast. I just kind of went with what I know, what I know is um, crushing it out there. And um, some happen to be these mids or smaller cap companies. So one of those I, I took a quick look at is Canada Goose, ticker G-O-O-S. So a lot of the specialty retailers have big growth trajectories. And it can last many years because it takes a while to roll out stores across the globe. Um, and yeah, they still are rolling out the stores, even though online shopping has you know, become a bigger dominating force during the pandemic. It's still only about 25% of all shopping is done online. So that still leaves 75% or so in the stores. And Canada Goose is one of those that has like a shopping experience. And that one is market cap of 4.4 billion. So that's straight in the mid cap range. Ticker is G-O-O-S. The last two years, the shares have been on a wild ride. It's been pretty rocky. They're now down 16.5% over the last two years versus uh, the S&P 500, which is up 41 during that same time period. So again, if you'd only had six stocks, and this is one of the ones you've owned for a couple of years, you're really underperforming on this one. Um, but if you had 10 to 20, you own this one, it's not quite as damaging to your overall portfolio as you wait for the rebound here. PE is at 34, so it's not super expensive, but it's not real cheap. Revenue going to really jump here coming up in fiscal 2022 on the global reopening. Uh, a lot of their sales come from travel and from international travel, people flying into other countries and buying one of the coats basically at their stores, especially in Europe and the United States. So that as that reopens, business will improve for Canada Goose. What about on the restaurant side? This has been a big winner for many people trying to find a best idea as well. I picked Chipotle. I just took a quick look at them. Who doesn't love Chipotle? And they've become more dominant. But unfortunately, the stock is more expensive than ever. It's 62 times here. I took a look at some of the other um, kind of hotter names like Square, ticker SQ for that one. That's trading at 197 times right now. And um, it may be one of your best ideas, but that's pretty pricey on a PE level for many people who are only you know, now getting into the shares. So some of my advice on buying your best ideas and all of these would fit into that is to buy those that are dominating their industry, buy those companies that have earnings, and then you do want some diversity, both in sector and in market cap. 
because uh, that'll help you weather, you know, some ups and downs, even though you have a very concentrated portfolio. Now, what about the drug stocks? A lot of people use these as kind of a uh, easy, stable, like company for one or two of their picks in their overall portfolio. And I do recommend having maybe some big pharma in there. And I'm not talking about the biotechs that are trying to, you know, save us all with some kind of cure for a very bad disease or issue, medical issue. Those, those are great, but I call those lottery stocks and the odds of winning are low. So I stay out of there, but some of the bigger pharmas have already won. They already have drugs that and products that have passed FDA approval. So they're already got the earnings and got the revenue. They might have dividends that are pretty juicy and that can add up if I'm owning it over a number of years in a concentrated portfolio like this. So one of those you might wanna consider is Abbott Labs, ticker ABT. It's trading at 30 or 23 times earnings right now. So not super expensive, over the last two years, shares are up 52% versus the S&P 500 up 41. So it, it is outperforming over the last two years. And what about a company like Eli Lilly, ticker LLY? They have some uh, products to help with COVID, not necessarily the vaccine, but to uh, help with the symptoms and so that you don't get it as badly once you're in the hospital to help with recovery. So they have some of that going on. They're trading at 22 and a half times. So similar to Abbott Labs, over the last two years, they are up 45.8% versus the S&P at 41%. So, you know, some of these are really well known. In fact, all of these that I just listed out are well known companies. There's no hidden gems here, no like secret. And you don't really have to be a genius to have, uh, you know, your best idea work out. All of us were aware of what Facebook was when it went IPO. And, um, you know, there was no secret really with Facebook at the time. There's really no secret with Amazon right now either or Alibaba, or JD.com, or even like a PayPal. There's no secret to what those businesses are. So keep that in mind too, when you're thinking about what's your best idea. You, you don't have to pick a, you know, some kind of secret stock or one that nobody's in. You don't have to be a genius because a lot of these great companies, the ones that are dominating, that are crushing it, that do have double digit growths in many cases in both revenue and earnings are the well-known names. These are the winners, the ones that have survived the competition to defeat the others. So we all know which of these companies are great. And again, we all know which of them are winning. So if you have up to 20 stocks, um, you know, you can take a risk on a few that maybe aren't these for sure winners. You, you basically can't do that if you're only doing six, which is very low. But if you're up to 20, I own some small caps in the value investor where I have 23 stocks. And some of those small caps are unknown. They are the more secret stocks. And many of them have been good performers over the last year off the coronavirus lows. So nothing wrong with having a small 
a few small caps in there if you have as many as 20 stocks in the portfolio. Um, but keep that in mind. But as Warren Buffett would say, if you've done the due diligence, if you've done the research, if you believe that small cap company is crushing it and you understand their business and you think you've gotten it right about where their future lies, then nothing wrong with getting into some of the unknown names as well. But to keep a little bit of the risk down, some of the winner stocks are just a little bit easier to put in a consolidated portfolio like this. So a lot you could be in. Keep that in mind. It's not limited to you know just the fangs um, or the large caps, but um, it's not that hard to make your own stock portfolio of 10 to 20 stocks and try to outperform the S&P 500. It's a lot of fun and um, I enjoy doing it. I know many of you do too. So I hope this answers some of the questions some of you had. And if you do own 50 stocks, you might wanna think about trying to weed out some of the names to get it a little bit more manageable. You'll probably find that your overall returns will be better too. And you'll have more enjoyment running that portfolio because you, you can make bigger bets on the best ideas you have. Because again, let's all be honest, 50, 50 of those stocks are not your best idea. You probably have five to 10 of them that are your true favorites that you really wanna put more money in. So nothing wrong with consolidating some of your names down to something that's manageable. Also, nothing wrong with owning some of the indexes in addition to having 10 to 20 stocks. That's what I do and that's easy and it gives me diversity in addition to my 10 to 20 stocks. So let me recap some of the stocks I talked about on this episode. So there was Facebook, nine years after its IPO, still now back to new highs, ticker FB. I do own it in my own personal portfolio. I did not buy it on the IPO, but I bought it later um, when it was having some issues there in the first year or two after the IPO. So Facebook ticker FB. Sony ticker S-O-N-Y now is uh, big in the gaming. If you're interested in gaming, that's the one you need to be in, Sony S-O-N-Y. Apple, still one of the big, big, big guys out there, still just cranking in that subscriber income. A-A-P-L is the ticker. Then we had some of the kind of smaller, um, more focused names in retail, a, a company like Canada Goose, but this is not the only one you could be in, but Canada Goose, ticker G-O-O-S. Then Chipotle on the restaurant side, we all know they're crushing it. It's not cheap right here though, ticker C-M-G. Then Square, they're crushing it too, but it's definitely not cheap at 197 times, but ticker is S-Q. Then we had a couple of the drug stocks, Abbott Labs, ABT is the ticker, Eli Lilly, LLY is the ticker there. I own Eli Lilly in the value investor and we've owned it um, for a while now. So yeah, these are some great companies and I'm gonna be bringing you even more every week here on the Market Edge where we talk about everything going on with the economy it seems like and we're going to have another update about what is happening with what appears to be maybe an upcoming economic boom here in the United States. 
but we will see. We'll check in with Zach's uh, senior chief equity strategist, uh, John Blank, to see what he thinks if we are actually going to be booming. So I'm going to have him on coming up soon here this spring. We have earnings season. There's going to be a lot going on with that and um, just everything going on. So be sure to subscribe. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify. You can follow us on all of those. You can get us on SoundCloud. There's a bunch of places. We're on Amazon Music now, but be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.